if you really come to the realization of that and are walking in relationship and fellowship with God, you understand the truth and the reality of the scripture says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You've come to grips in the realization that there's nothing or too hard or impossible for the Lord that we serve. We've come to a realization that there's no weapon formed against me that can prosper. This is not just ink on paper. This is God's word for those of us that are walking in relationship with him and in obedience to his word. I was seeking the Lord actually all week as to what to share on this first Thursday of this new year. And I wanted one of those preach the paint off the wall sermons, but he didn't give me one. He gave it to Glenda. Where's she at? No. <laughs> he gave me one verse. Many of you will recognize it as soon as I tell you where it's located, what the address of it is. It's in John 10, 10. It's one of those verses that is used in the Roman road that when we're trying to lead someone to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to persuade them to surrender it all to the one that is the all in all. The one that is the great I am. But the Lord has given me just a simple exhortation to this body tonight. As we begin this new year, I saw some statistics on the television and it said that only 43% of the people that will make a resolution or set a goal in January will still be committed to that February the 1st. And of those, only 2%, actually a little less than 2%, at the end of the year will have achieved and obtained their goal and the resolutions that they had made, New Year's resolutions that they had made. Why do we live so frustrated? Why do we live so defeated? Why do we continuously stump our toe? John 10, 10. Now I ain't ready to go there yet. We, in these New Year resolutions, in these goals, this goal setting, this is what the Lord spoke to me to admonish you with tonight. Okay to do all of that. It's okay to work towards them, but make sure that you're not excluding the Lord in those things. Make sure, Christian, that He not only is, and if He isn't, that He becomes a priority in your life. A priority of your time. To what we find important we make time for that. To what we is a passion of our heart. To what we have as a treasure in our heart. We make exhaust all means in pursuit of that. 
And this year, as we begin a new year, let's make certain that the Lord Jesus Christ has top priority in our life and that we may have to eliminate some other things from our schedule, but that every day we will spend time with Him building a relationship. That every day we'll live on the daily bread that comes from His Word. That every day we will not only give Him our shopping list and our needs, but that we will commit a length of time. Maybe it's just a small time. Maybe it's a long time. But that we will commit a time to disengage from the phone, the computer, from things and stuff to try and hear God. To listen for His voice. You know, He's the one that spoke of Himself and said, My sheep know my voice. And another they'll not follow. I want to admonish this body of believers. If you haven't already learned the voice of God, it's simply because you've not been spending enough time with Him. I'm not saying that you're not saved, but I'm trying to say this, that if I call you every day on the telephone and you don't have caller ID, first few times it's going to be, who is this, you know, to yourself. And I think it's so and so, but if I call you repetitively enough and we talk often enough, you will then know my voice that when I call you go, oh Lord, what do you want now? No. <laughs> but that's the way it is with God. If we spend time with Him consistently and perpetually and we will develop a hearing ear to His voice. And that brings up another point. It's simply this. It says, to him that hath an ear to hear. You have to want to hear God. You've got to make time to listen to what He has to say. Because He wants to speak to you. He's no respecter of persons. And let me just inject this at this point. Beginning next Wednesday. Right back here in the cry room. And unless it gets too little, we'll move to Misha's room. I've been praying for some time that God would lay it on someone's heart, the burden for the need for prayer. And I'm not talking about a social club. I'm not talking about a gossip party. But some people that will come and do spiritual warfare, talk to God, seek God, and that we'll begin to see our family members and our lost loved ones and friends that are on the way to hell, saved and converted and the Lord has spoken to my Aunt Montez and to Sister Ann Haynes and beginning next Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock and every Wednesday morning thereafter unless we cancel it there will be an hour of prayer right here. You come. Be a part of it as you can. Stay the whole time if you can. Stay as long as you can. A few minutes or stay longer than that. We don't care. But I want this place to become known as a house of prayer. It's through prayer that the strongholds of the enemy are pulled down. It's through prayer that not only are our needs and requests be made known to God, but that we begin to hear God's direction in how these situations will be solved. It's, it's through the coming together, the cooperate prayer 
of agreeing upon touching this according to God's word that we begin to see the miracles take place. It's by prayer we stay the hand of the enemy. It's by prayer we get the direction of God. It's by prayer the pulling down of strongholds take place. America, generally speaking, has abandoned being a nation of prayer. We have become a generation that is lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We've become a generation that's so self-consumed. And how does it make me feel? What can it do for me? Instead of, God, what can I do for you? I had no intention on going there, but you're invited to come pray next Wednesday. John 10.10 Going into this new year, I want you to remember this. You have an adversary. The thief does not come except. Except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. We sometimes forget in our journey through life that we have an enemy. And our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's the devil and principalities and powers that are governed and ruled under his darkness. And we've got to remember consistently and perpetually because I want you to know the scripture describes him this way. He's more cunning than any beast of the field. He's sharp. And he don't play fair. And he will sucker punch you in a heartbeat. He will make something appears to be one way when it's not that way at all. And it's time that you have the mind of Christ being full of the Spirit of God with the discernment of God so you can recognize the things of God, the things of the devil, so you can distinguish between the voice of God, the voice of the enemy, your own voice, and so we can proceed forward with the mission that God has for each of us as individuals. I want you to realize something. You, each and every one of you, you are relevant to the kingdom of God. You, when you enroll in the army of God and you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you enlisted for service. You enlisted for warfare. In order to do that, you need to prepare yourself. Prayer, the study of His Word, fellowship of the brethren, intimacy with God, denying the flesh, If any man would walk in the Spirit, he must deny the flesh. The only way we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the flesh is if we walk. I mean, if the only way we can not fulfill the flesh is if we walk in the Spirit. Contrary to that, if I'm not walking in the Spirit, having my steps ordered of God, I'm walking in the flesh. And then the flesh dwells no good thing. The flesh will bring you heartache. The flesh will bring you disappointment. The flesh will bring you hurt. The flesh will bring eventually destruction and devastation. So the thief does not come except 
to steal. What is it that he wants to steal? He wants to steal the blessings that God wants to give you. How does he do that? Oh, I don't know that we have time to talk about them all, Ann. Well, let's start with unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will turn into bitterness, into hatred, into judgment, and a condescending spirit, a prideful look. Quite simply, the word says, Judge not lest you be judged, for with what measure you judge, you shall be judged. He tells us that if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven. Now you can go on and play spiritual games all you want to, but the Word of God is very simple. It says if you're at the altar praying, and this is going to happen, at these altars and in that altar, and in the altar of your home, if you're at the altars praying and you remember that you have ought against your brother, or that your brother has ought against you, meaning it don't matter who's right, it don't matter who's wrong, what matters is that you go to one another and make that thing right so that you don't walk around unforgiving. So that you don't walk around and that becomes bitterness. That that becomes a stronghold that will keep you from experiencing and enjoying the blessings that God wants to give you. There are many, many others and I won't dwell upon all of them tonight but I want you to understand that unforgiveness is a big bullet in the devil's arsenal among Christians. I'll say this and I'll move on. What's the definition of being a Christian? Say it again. Christ-like. Being like Christ. Don't miss this. You're never more like Christ than when you forgive. And you're never more unlike Him when you refuse to forgive. And when you sit in judgment. You remember the story of the woman taken in the act of adultery and how they came and threw her at Jesus' feet. And they basically were wanting to lay a trap for him. And they said, now Moses in his law says this woman should be stoned. What say you? Hoping that he'd say something contrary to Moses' law where they can condemn him. You know how the story goes. He knelt down and he began to write in the sand. And nobody really knows exactly what he wrote. But many scholars believe that he possibly was writing the sins of those whom had brought this woman and Finally, Jesus raised up and he just says, Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. It says, beginning at the eldest to the least, the hierarchy, the pecking order, from the top to the bottom, they begin to drop their rocks and walk away. You see, the ones that would have stoned her couldn't. But the one sinless, perfect Christ, the one that could have stoned her, wouldn't. And he turned to her and he says, Woman, where are thine accusers? <laughs> 
She said, there's none, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Our forgiveness does not mean we have to put a stamp of approval and condone the sins of the people and the lifestyles that some live, but we cannot dare let that cause us to be judgmental and hard and unforgiving and condescending and casting stone. Don't you dare let that happen. When you do that, you become pharisaical. You'll be like the scabs and Pharisees and parasites and that you'll find that the blood just runs out of you. The life runs out of you because of your refusing to extend grace and forgiveness and love. You see, it's the love of God that transcends the darkness of sin. It's the goodness of God that causes men to repentance. Yes, it's true that one day we'll stand in front of him, all of us, saint and sinner alike, and we'll give an account for our life. We'll hear him say one of two things, well done. Enter into a place that I prepared for you or depart from me, you worker of iniquity. All of us will hear, but until that day when he sits in judgment, till this day, and until then, he's a God of grace. He's a God of love. He's a God that's always knocking on the door. If you'll open your heart, he'll come in. He's a God that's saying, whosoever will, come. He's saying, whosoever will, come. Come on. There's room for you. I died for you. Don't you let the devil steal the blessings of God because of blessing blockers that you have in life. So he's come to steal, to kill. This is speaking of spiritually and eternally. The devil knows that there's no hope for him. And he would like to take as many people to hell with him as he can. That's not the will of God. Word says... I would that none should perish, but that all would pass from death unto life. You see, for those of you that think that God always gets his way, there's one verse right there that proves that's not true. The choices that man makes, the decisions that he makes, the life that he lives, will give an account for our own self. Can't blame anyone else. The devil is trying his best to keep us from bowing our knee and opening our heart and confessing with our mouth the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the love and the grace and the power and majesty of who He is, the essence of who He is, not only what He's done. Then after that kill, He wants to destroy. This simply means He's wanting to eradicate, blow up, thwart, cause havoc, devastation in your family, in your business, in your dreams, in your goals. He wants to destroy all of that because He doesn't want you to taste of the Lord and see that He's good. He doesn't want you to experience the goodness of God. He doesn't want you to in any way, shape, form, or fashion to see the blessing manifest in your life. He wants to destroy that so that you're downcast and downtrodden and woe is me. And the Lord is wanting you to lift your eyes unto the hills from which cometh your help. And to cry out to him and let him show you great and mighty things. And so he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come 
that you might have life. Eternal life. To be with me forever. And that you might have life more abundantly here and now. How do you have the abundant life? Very simple. First of all, we oftentimes have a misrepresentation in our mind of what an abundant life is. We all immediately think of possessions and things and stuff and absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm, God to, I'm glad that God reigns on the just and the unjust. I'm glad that people have nice things and stuff and money. I'm glad. But I want to walk in the abundance of peace. I want to walk in an abundance of God's presence. I want to walk in an abundance of love. I want to walk in an abundance of appreciation. I want to walk in an abundance of friends. I want to, and how do you do that? To have friends, you show yourself friendly. I want to have that abundance in my life. Yes, it's clear that God wants us to be reputable and to pay our bills and to do what we say and honor the contracts that we sign. And, but we have that abundant life with Him when we do this. First of all, we yield our knee, bend our knee, open our heart, receive Him as Savior and Lord, and then here we go. Relationship consistently and walk in obedience to His Word. Deuteronomy 28, go read it, 2 through 16. Said, if you hear these things of mine and do them. Didn't just say if you hear them. Said, if you hear them and do them. These blessings will pursue you and overtake you. You can't outrun them, folks. If you're walking in obedience to the Word of God as to what He has said, and you're doing it with clean hands, right motive, pure heart, doing it unto God. These blessings will pursue you and overtake you. Then he starts being specific. He starts listing them. He said, I'm going to bless your kids. I'm going to bless your cattle. Who don't want their kids blessed? I'm going to bless your kids, your cattle, your crops, your barns, your storehouses. I'm going to bless all of that stuff. Why? Because you're walking in obedience to my word. You want the blessings of God in your life? Walk in obedience to His Word. That's my admonishment to you tonight from God for this year. If you'll purpose, if you'll be intentional in your pursuit to hunger and thirst for righteousness, God's Word says you will be filled. If you desire to know Him better, make yourself available. If you don't want to sin and come short, get in His Word. This is the instruction manual. This is what builds your faith. Not only does it direct your path, but it builds your faith. Faith comes by what? The Word of God. You can pray for more faith, but prayer alone, you'll never have more faith. The Word. you got to have the Word. I'm going to close at this point in time. Would you bow your heads? If you're here tonight and you're a child of God, you're a Christian. And you just be honest with yourself and be honest with me and you say, you know, Dennis, 
I've allowed myself to get entangled with the cares of life and not so much living in sin. I just, I've quit making time for God. I've not sought Him as a hidden treasure. I've not studied to show myself approved of God, a watchman that needeth not rebuke. I've not put the Word of God in my life the way that I should and I love Him and I'm saved but I'm tired of living this whole hum repetitive, dry just going through the motions of life and Christianity, but I want to resolve here at the beginning of this new year to recognize the fact and acknowledge that I do know there is a devil that wants to steal, kill, and destroy me, my home, my marriage, my relationship, my businesses, but also at the same time that there's a God that wants to bless me, my home, my wife, my business, my family. And today I want to repent from being lethargic I want to repent from having not made God a priority in my daily life but I want to commit to that that in this year 2020 that I'll not be remiss in putting God first if that's you could I see your hand I want to pray for you anybody yes hands going up everywhere you can put them back down maybe you're here and you say, Dennis, I'm lost. And I wear the mask, and a lot of people think I got it all together, but inwardly I'm broken. I'm empty. I'm dry. And I'm a sinner. And I recognize the fact that I need to ask Him to forgive me of my sins to save me, to be my Lord. Somebody that will guide my steps, somebody that I can hear His voice, somebody that will make Himself real to me, and somebody that will direct my paths. And tonight, I want to commit my life to Him. Anybody here, you're like that, could you raise your hand, just let me see it real quick, slip it up, slip it right back down. Yes, ma'am, anyone else, very quickly. Anyone else, this is your moment, your time. That's what the Word of God says, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are none of us righteous, not one. We can't be good enough, we can't give enough, we can't do enough good works. We're saved by grace, which is a gift of God through faith. The Word says if we'll simply confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God that died on a cross for us, was buried, and that He rose again. And He's alive today to cleanse us, to make us a new man, a new woman, a new creature. That's what His Word says. So with that, I'm going to pray and ask those of you, well, all of you actually, so pray this prayer with me and then I want to pray for those of you that have raised your hand about making a new commitment to the Lord as far as this coming year. Let's just pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I'm truly sorry for my sins. 
I do believe with all my heart that you love me in spite of my sins. I believe you're the Son of God that died in my place so that I could live. I believe you walked out of a grave and that you're alive today. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, come into my life and to be my Savior and my Lord. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me to learn your voice. Show me your paths that I may walk in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Lord, you saw many hands go up across this place of people that were honest and said how they had allowed themselves to be, become entangled with the cares of life. And they've been going through the motions and playing church and they're dry and empty on the inside. But Lord, you said if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Lord, you said if we would cry out to you, you'd forgive. we ask you tonight to fill us afresh with that living water. Lord, let us drink from the well tonight that never runs dry. And Lord, let us be resolved to keep our commitment to you. And that as we begin to seek you early in this new year, that you will reveal yourself and show yourself to me personally. That I might encounter your glory. That I might impact and make a difference in the world in which I live. I'll be sure to say thank you and to give you praise for it. In Jesus' precious name.